You're now tuned in to the Desire to Trade podcast, a show where we bring you the best figures of the trading world and teach you how you can become a successful trader. This is your host, Etienne Kret. Hi, everyone. It's Etienne here from DesireToTrade.com, a blog where we help traders become the best version of themselves. In this podcast, I've interviewed Andrew Mitchum. He's a forex trader and trading coach. He started trading a few years ago, in 2003, and he built his account to what it is today. He now has a lot of free time to help other traders. He shares with us common mistakes, as well as the best advice he can give for new traders. I hope you enjoy and let's get started. Hi everyone, today I have a really special guest with me, Andrew Mitchell from TheForexTradingCoach.com. He's going to talk to us today about uh, what he's doing. It's a forex trader and a professional coach. I'm glad he's here. Welcome, Andrew. Hello, how are you? Good, very good. Yeah, very good, thank you. So I have a few questions for you today. Sure. Uh, so for those of you who don't know it, uh, Andrew started being a farmer, and then he transitioned to uh, trading afterward. So I want to know first, Andrew, what, what's going on these days for you? What am I doing these days? So these days and for the last about 11 years, I've been trading Forex. I don't trade any other markets, purely the Forex market. And so I trade for myself and I also coach clients. And, uh, and very recently, I've also started a, a trade copier service for, uh, for clients to use if they wish to as well. So that means that they can have their accounts mirrored on uh, my own particular trades as well. So, yeah, that's uh, what keeps me busy these days. Awesome, awesome. And uh, where exactly are you locating, exactly? Where do you live? Where do I live? I live in uh, just outside of a city called Hamilton, which is in the North Island of New Zealand. So we've got about five acres just out of town, which is nice. Um, plenty of room for um, to keep my farming roots happy in terms of a few animals, but nothing, uh, nothing too major. Sounds cool, sounds cool. So yeah, so the first topic I want to go into is how you got started in trading. So I know you've been a, a farmer, and you mm-hmm. have an ebook on that, telling all your stories. That's pretty interesting. Yes, I do. So tell us how you how you transitioned from farmer to then trader and then coach afterward. Sure, um, it was actually a bit by accident, and like a lot of things, you know, um, to change suddenly change a complete U-turn and career, it's almost like it has to be forced on you, and that was what happened with me. Um, yeah, so I actually went through a divorce, of all things, which uh, changed me from farming to needing to do something else. And at the time, my son was around two years old, and I needed to find something to allow me to work from home and look after him. And at the time, it was in those that sort of time of you know, about 12 years ago when everybody was trying to sort of sell property courses and options courses and all these other courses. And I heard a, um, a course for Forex and back then it was relatively unknown. And um, I actually heard it on one of my local radio stations and I thought, well, you know, I've got nothing else to, to lose from it. I'll, uh, I'll give it a go. Had no idea what it was at all and uh, attended a one-day course up in Auckland. And uh, although the course wasn't great, Looking back at it, it actually got me um, introduced to the world of forex and to find out what it was, and um, and yeah, I suppose from there I never looked back. Mm-hmm. Well, so yeah, the actual transition and the change was almost a, a forced change, and 
what do I do now? Um, and I suppose really the, the idea of Forex after I did the course um, appealed because it meant that I could work from home, you know, low setup costs and, um, and also the actual um, concept of trading actually really did appeal to me. It's just that before that I had no idea what it was. I didn't even know it existed. Mm -hmm. That's funny because I started the exact same way with uh, trading, like taking a class. Yes. Uh, online class, really, really short, basic introduction, and then I just went in it and never looked back. And yeah, and, and also I suppose for me it was more the, um, the, although I didn't know what I was going to be able to make at the time, and for four years I made nothing, but it was more the, the concept of trading. Having come from a physical background where you had to work X number of hours and you had to seven days a week, mm -hmm. um, to something that was online was very different. Um, I liked the idea of being able to buy and sell without, you know, I suppose when you, you buy something physical such as a property, you're, you're always looking at buying and holding or buying and doing up and selling and I suppose the liquidity, the available to go long or short, um, different currencies. I didn't need to know a huge amount about like companies like you would with shares. So all those things, you know, that actually appealed to me plus the timing was right to look at doing something new. And did you take any, any other course afterward? Any uh, training in, in trading after? No, no. Um, I... I sort of went through the whole, um, I suppose, what would you call it, cycle that everybody goes yeah. through of the early days of forums. Back then, there wasn't, I suppose, the, uh, I mean, you, you wonder in Forex how much credibility there is even today, but back then there was even less, you know, and, um, <laughs> and, and I suppose I went through the forum type thing. I went through buying the e-books and the robots and the indicators and, you know, and then trying to design my own strategies. And uh, so I've been through the whole thing that most people go through. Mm -hmm. And what were the main challenges at that point? Challenges were, Every time I added some form of indicator, I then thought that was going to be the best thing that was going to sort of um, change my trading around. Um, yeah, and I think I sort of got into the mistake of, of buying some quite good software. And I'm not knocking the software, but I got into some quite clever software that allowed you to optimize and back test. Um, I'm not sure if I should mention the name of the software here, but it was, you know, it's really good and it's still in existence today. But what it did is it actually got my whole mindset into putting too much faith and too much belief in optimizing indicators and, and almost over-optimizing to make this perfect um, equity curve in history. But every time I put that into reality, it never made anything. In fact, it lost all the time. And I think that was the danger of, of um, I suppose, believing what um, the internet world tells you is the best thing to do, which is to use indicators and more and more indicators. And how exactly did you went from using indicators to almost no indicator now? Um, I took everything off my charts and I started again with price action. Um, I got to understand and read a little bit about Fibonacci levels, uh, which 
quite appealed to me, but I, having said that, I found them quite difficult to use in real time. A little bit like Elliott Wave, I could see in principle the, you know, the waves and the pullbacks. I could see it when someone showed it on a, a still screenshot, but I found it quite difficult to use in real time. Mm -hmm. So I then pretty much wiped everything off my charts and went back to looking at price action and, and just looking at where the price turned around and trying to work out why. Um, and then I, I suppose from there that developed into a, a, uh, an understanding of Japanese candle patterns and shapes and, and trying to basically piece together what the candle patterns were showing me. Um, I suppose that the next problem came about that you can have all these different candle patterns and shapes that you know the textbook tells you you know you should get reversals at this point, but of course they don't work all of the time. Yeah. So the next challenge then became to add something else to try and eliminate the false setups. Mm -hmm. So I suppose my what I'm trying to say is my strategy evolved. Um, over time, once I realised that indicators weren't really the answer and the price action was. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I, th I think that's the key. Anyway, when you when you start with a strategy, you have to keep it improving over time. I guess all the time. Yeah. yeah. But having said that, after a couple of years of putting that together and, and changing it, I haven't really changed any way that I've traded over the last um, probably about eight or nine years, I haven't really changed much the way that I actually trade today. is still much the same as what it was after I developed the strategy. Okay, okay. Which is quite good because it means that it has uh, proven to me that it's worked through various market conditions and, you know, and over a period of time as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's good. Uh, okay. I want to know: Do you have any any uh, failure in your trading that you that you, that was maybe the the worst failure you had, or any hard times, or? Yeah, um, definitely those first few years after starting were the hard times, and I think that's probably the issue that a lot of people have. You know, they they start trading and think it's going to, um, you know, in six months solve all their financial problems, and reality it doesn't, and uh, and I think that was an issue. Um, Another issue that I had from the early days, the very early days, is when I started demo trading, the brokers were very, very keen on making you open an account of, let's say, 100,000 or 250,000. And when you're there trading on a demo and you're just randomly placing trades you know, here, there, and everywhere because that's what you tend to do on the early days of a demo, yeah. um, when you then suddenly go live, and my first live account was a 10,000 US account, um, I then realized that even if I had winning trades, profitable trades, they were quite tiny in comparison to what I've been used to making in terms of the monetary value. You know, and with demo accounts, it's very easy to sort of say, oh, I've made 5,000 here and 2,000 there and 10,000 there. But in reality, when you then take that down to a small account yeah. and you're making like $25 and $50, it's a little bit disheartening <laughs> to start with. Mm -hmm. And in, yeah, you, you don't have the same pressure to win a live account as opposed to a demo account. Yeah, that's right. And when that live account starts going backwards, when it's your first account, you then start panicking and worrying. And um, I have been guilty, especially in the early days, of almost like that revenge trading of trying to think, well, you know, I'm going to sort of um, place a lot bigger position on here to try and make that loss back up and get my account into positive. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and that's another failure that I suppose that I've had in the past and everybody else tends to go through, or a lot of people do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we, and I suppose it's the, the early days of anything that you do, you look back on it in hindsight and think, gosh, that was silly, but, you know, you do those things in your early days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, now, um, so maybe, well, do you have anything else to add or...? With that, um, yeah, I suppose not having a good understanding of money management in those early days um, probably hit me badly. Um, every time that you go through a, a run of drawdowns, I think your mind then goes back to what else is out there. You, you know, so you tend to go back to the forums again. You tend to go back and, and get drawn into those emails that are trying to sell you indicators or robots again. And and I think that's just a, a natural thing. If things aren't going right for you, you always want to go back and look for the next thing out there in case you're missing something, or or you know in your mind that oh, I shouldn't really buy this, you know, this ninety-seven dollar robot because I know it's going to fail. But I oh, just it might be the one that doesn't. So you tend to buy it, <laughs> you know. So I suppose I've been guilty of that as well. But uh, that comes from their clever marketing, I suppose, also. So I want to I want to move uh, like right away on uh, what exactly you're teaching because I received an email from you recently talking yes. about how, how some people are like falling through the trap of uh, indicators and all that stuff mm-hmm. and I think you're doing something pretty different and pretty uh, great so tell us a little bit about it about the way that I trade today yeah and and the way you teach it basically yep sure. Okay, so what I try to do is make trading, I suppose, relatively simple. And I think that's important because um, today, like I've got clients all over the world in different time zones, different ages, different stages through their trading um, career. And so what I like to think that the strategy that I use today can work for pretty much all traders. And because it's price action based, it tends to uh, get the trader to understand what's happening right now in the market and to be able to make a decision from the right-hand side of the charts. Because it's candle pattern based, the predominant thing that I'm looking for, it means that I can quite easily set my day up around my trading because I only uh, take a trade once the candle has closed. Mm-hmm. So if I'm trading on a day chart, for instance, I can only take a trade or look for a potential new trade just once a day. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's a four-hour chart, then I don't need to look for, you know, until the next four-hour candle closes. So I think that helps people to um, manage their trading better because I think a lot of people tend to sort of sit at their computer and because you're already at your computer, you force yourself to take trades. Mm-hmm. So I like to sort of take that the other way and think, well, I can only potentially look for a new trade once this candle has closed. Mm-hmm. So it means that I can sort of place a trade if there's any there, walk away, leave the trade, leave the computer. Um, if I'm trading four-hour charts, come back in four hours' time and have another look. Mm-hmm. So that certainly helps. Um, and I'm also adding a number of things to actually like support and resistance levels to actually once I've got that candle pattern that looks good, I'm trying to, I suppose, really understand what's happening in the market by looking at the pictures that are a candle pattern. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm looking for, let's say um, we're in a big uptrend, I'm looking for some form of exhaustion and I'm looking for it to potentially stall at a high level for a reason, whether it's a, a number or whether it's bounced there already, it could be the pivot point, whatever it is, the reason it's bouncing. And then I'm looking for confirmation for it to then start to reverse before I look to take a sell position. Okay. okay. So I'm looking um, to sort of, I suppose, um, use the candle pattern plus put another couple of things in together to actually back up that candle pattern to say, yes, now the uptrend has come to an end. I can see that. I've got confirmation and a reason why. And yes, here's a good um, opportunity to take a short position now. Mm-hmm. And of course, the reverse with a, a buy trade. So that's, um, I've got two basic concepts that I'm looking at. One's a reversal, which is like I've just mentioned, and the other is a continuation pattern. So that would be if we had an uptrend and then we see a small pullback, then I'm looking for a, a reason to go long again after we've had the pullback. Mm-hmm. So those are the two basic um, concepts that I'm looking for. Um, the beauty of that is it helps you to stay out of the market when the market's just going sideways. Mm-hmm. Because yes, with yes. candle patterns, you generally don't get very strong candle patterns if the market's just range bound and moving sideways. Mm-hmm. So it helps to eliminate, you know, those sort of that choppy price action, and you know, you're staying out of the market when that's happening. Okay, so that means you don't trade at all when when the market when the market goes sideways, right? Well, you generally don't. I, I could be in a position already. Mm-hmm. But you generally don't find very many good new setups when the market's moving okay. sideways. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is good because depending on your strategy, of course, but um, for most strategies, you can only really make good money when the market starts to trend. And of course, you need to be on the right side of that trend. Mm-hmm. But um, that's the, the basic concept of what I'm looking for. Um, I also like to use the longer term trend with that. So um, for my clients, I also mention where I'm looking at a particular strength or weakness for that day, for that upcoming day. Mm-hmm. So, for example, which currency pairs I'm looking at um, predominantly buy positions today or predominantly sell positions, short positions today. Mm-hmm. And that also helps people to then um, trade on any time frame they wish, but to to stay on ideally the, the correct side of the market. Mm-hmm. Because, as an example, if we were looking for the um, British pound US dollar to have a lot of strength today, and I'm saying, like, I can see lots of strength because there's strength in the pound, there's weakness in the US, and someone then sees um, a potential sell trade, to me that's something that you'd probably just pass on that trade, depending on the setup, but most times you'd mm-hmm. probably pass on it because it's trading against the likely overall direction for that day yeah 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 so i guess following the trend is a good advice it is yeah Yeah. i mean it's not to say that that sell trade won't work and won't be a good trade no sometimes it works yeah yeah. it's to say that you've either got you've really got to make the call what works for you you're either going to take that sell trade and say yes i'm accepting it's against the daily trend and i might need to monitor that trade slightly or you say i'm not going to take it i'm waiting for it to to sell off if it does, and but I'm more, um, I'm, I'm better off waiting for a, a buy trade setup after the market's already done that retracement, and then look to buy again. 
Yeah, 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 for sure. So that tends to help um, eliminate false setups or setups that just don't work quite so well. So on, on that same topic, what's the uh, number one mistake you see new trader make? Number one mistake, um, probably for new traders, is trading on too short a time frame. Okay. So like, I'd say, what, what do you mean, like five, five, 15 minutes? or Yeah, that sort of 15 okay. minutes or five minutes or some people even for some reason want to trade one minute charts. <laughs> yeah. Now, it's not to say that they don't work because I have a number of clients that trade very successfully on five and 15 minute charts. Mm-hmm. And when I hold live webinars, I trade on those myself. But... I think the problem is with a lot of new people is they almost want to force trades to happen. So in order for that to happen, they've got to trade shorter timeframes. Mm-hmm. So they think that the way to make money is to take lots of trades all over the place. And and um, and I suppose it's natural. You get into something new. You want to be active in that market. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think that's a mistake a lot of people do make. I mean, there's a, the other mistake that I've always said I think people make, and that's not so much just new traders, it's probably across the board, is that the internet world of forex trading tells you that you have to measure your success on how many pips you make. Mm-hmm. And I've always, like from my personal opinion, there's always been that that is incorrect and it's quite dangerous for a lot of people to, uh, to measure their success by the number of pips they make. Whereas I much prefer to look for a percentage risk on each trade and then look at your percentage gain. Mm-hmm. Because the, you know, I've got the classic example that I show a number of people of a guy who sent me actual trades off his actual account. He took 25 trades, 12 winning trades, 13 losing trades. So he actually lost more than he made. Mm-hmm. He lost 46 pips in total. Yet yeah. he made, uh, if he was counting pips, Yet, because he traded the way that I taught him to trade, he made 8.61%. Hmm. Positive. Pretty good. And, and that the, becomes the problem when people start counting trades, uh, counting pips within their trading. So what he suggests is only adjusting the percentage depending on, on your stop loss, basically? Yes, you work out your, your stop loss for your particular trade. Okay. And okay. then you, your position size is adjusted accordingly so that the way that I personally trade, every trade has half of 1% risk, half of 1% of my total account. So that doesn't matter if I was trading on a 15-minute chart or a weekly chart. If either trade goes wrong and gets stopped out, then I lose half of 1%. Okay, Okay. which is pretty reasonable. Yeah, It's the position size that that is adjusted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of new people come to me and say, I can't um, afford to take a trade on um, a daily chart because I can't uh, trade with a 150 pip stop loss. Mm-hmm. And that's because their mindset is to place like one standard lot or 0.1 or whatever it might be. Yeah. Whereas what they need to do is work out that 150 pips on that particular trade should equal half of 1% of their account. Mm-hmm. And therefore you place whatever the position size is needed. Yeah, and I'm, I'm guilty of, of doing it that way first. But then maybe one or two years ago, I, I changed to a percentage too, and it, it made a huge oh, difference I think, for me. Yeah. I think everybody's guilty of, or not so much guilty, but I think that's the way that everybody's taught to start with, mm-hmm. or, or they think they have to do it to start with. I did the same. 
And it wasn't until I sort of understood that concept and changed my trading around did it also help me psychologically as well. Because, you know, there's no point in having, um, let's say, five trades that make 100 pips in total on short time frame charts, and then you go and take another trade that loses 110 pips. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you've gone and uh, you've got a really high success rate there, but you're still negative. Mm-hmm. So yes, it's a slightly different way of thinking that I think a lot of people um, don't um, probably understand to start with. Mm-hmm. And what, in your opinion, would be the the key element to becoming a successful trader? Is there one um, specific thing that uh, that you think people must have? They must have. They probably need to find the strategy that works for them, that fits in for them. Mm-hmm. So that strategy might be the type of way of trading or the other option, of course, is the time frame of chart because if you're a technical trader, then some people are naturally attracted to that higher pace action and they're saying, look, I'm willing to sit watching my charts for an hour or two hours um, per day and maybe the 5 or 15 minute charts are more suited to them. Or you get the other type of trader, which is more like the way that I prefer to trade, is that um, I prefer the longer time frame charts because they suit the way I trade. Mm-hmm. So it's either having the strategy that, that you understand that works for you and or having uh, your trades taken off the time frame of charts that suit you. Mm-hmm. Cool. And then outside of trading, what exactly do you do? Do you, do you uh, I know you have a, a coaching business, but apart from that, what, what else passions you? Uh, passions, um, I'm a sensei or a teacher in uh, GKR Karate, and I've been okay. karate for probably seven years. I'm a brand belt, and mm-hmm. so I love doing that, and uh, two of my children also participate in that. Um, with five children, we're always pretty busy with... Uh, <laughs> sports and things like that and okay. you know family things and I also fly a helicopter which is my uh, well cricket's a passion I'm not sure if you you know cricket uh, some people will know cricket and some people won't but um, mm-hmm. flying a helicopter is my other passion and I try to fly two sometimes three times a week and and it works out really well with trading because I can yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, trade in the morning which my time which I trade off the uh, close of New York time and then I generally don't have too much happening in the, my daytime because that's the Asian session. So um, fly when the kids are at school and then um, look at a few trades in my evening, which is into the European session. Do you find it hard to adapt to a different time zone like that or, or you just get used to it and you get a routine based on that? Yeah, no, it doesn't. Um, I don't find it hard. I mean, I've traded when I've been in America. I've traded in Europe. Okay. I've traded in Japan and India, mm. and different countries. Um, no, it doesn't. I don't find it an issue. And when you trade on those longer time frame charts, it's not so much, you know, a big deal. Okay. You just have to find the right time, basically, to work. Yeah, you do. Yeah. I mean, I've got a, a great... Um, indicator that, well, not so much an indicator, it's a script that I've had written that um, can convert MT4 charts into other time frames, such as six-hour charts and 12-hour charts. Okay. And that's a a really nice concept because it allows me to trade um, on the five o'clock New York close of daytime, which is nine o'clock my morning, Mm -hmm. and then 
at nine o'clock at night, I can twelve. I can uh, sorry, trade six-hour charts or four-hour charts, six-hour charts, and twelve-hour charts all at exactly the same time. Mm-hmm. So I, I prefer to um, look less often and uh, and take higher probability trades. Yeah. Okay. The other reason why I like those longer time frames is generally you find that the reward to risk of those trades are higher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you get more often like two to one uh, reward to risk or similar trades, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Do you always use a fixed uh, reward to risk or do you no. change it every trade? Um, depending on the time frame of the chart i've got slightly different variations of the strategy um but most of my trades would have somewhere between a 1.5 to 1 return and up to somewhere like about a 4 to 1 return okay. would that would cover the 90% of my trades okay okay that's cool that's cool so i want to know do you have any any future goal or any plan uh coming soon um, yeah, in terms of my own trading, now I mentioned at the beginning that I'm looking, well, I'm just started the trade copier service, um, okay. fund management and, um, or, or something along those lines has always been something that's appealed to me. Hmm. Okay. And, uh, and so the trade copier service is a, I suppose, a, an early start into that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so, yeah, it's always been, a passion of mine to to either trade a, a larger fund or um, a combination of funds from various people because I suppose the way that I look at that is that if my own trading's good, then to have that trade replicated across whatever size the fund is doesn't actually take me any more time or, or take any more effort. Mm-hmm. So I suppose really when you look at it that way, if... Um, you know, if I can make sort of one to two percent per week on average, which is what I like to try and look to return, you know, there's a, a huge amount of opportunity out there for people who would be um, very, very happy to achieve a return like that on their account for not having to do anything for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. sure. So, yeah, I suppose really it's a, it's a case of maintaining my own quality of trading. Um, I do enjoy the coaching as well and I get a lot of satisfaction out of helping um, people who, uh, you know, come to me. Some people come as the last resort and, uh, you know, Andrew, I'm about to give up. I've tried everything. It's not working. And then talk to them six months or a year later and, you know, their trading's just taken off and they're showing me their account of what they've made. And it's like, well, that's actually really, um, really quite satisfying. Um, Because, you know, as you know, trading can be quite a lonely business if you're just sat there at home by yourself watching charts and, you know, mm-hmm. most other people have got no idea what it is that you do. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been doing this for, what, 12 years and most of my family and friends still have no idea what it is I actually really do. And so the actual community that I've built up of, of traders, and we, we do meet up every couple of weeks on live trading room webinars. Okay. Um, you know, the, it, it is really nice to bounce ideas off of other traders and you know and people are always coming to me and say look have you seen this or what do you think of this and I actually find that by teaching people it keeps my own trading sharp Mm -hmm. because you know I've got people there that are actually watching what I'm doing and and um, you know either copying what I'm doing or I'm helping them along so I actually have to be you know um, 
quite sharp and, and accurate in what I do, plus timely in what I do because I, you know, I've got thousands of people waiting to read what I post each day on a membership site. You've got to make sure that it's there every day. You know, you can't suddenly say, I'm sorry, I'm half an hour late because I had to go and do something. It's, you know, that's not good enough. It has to be there. Yeah, yeah. So it actually makes your own trading, um, you know, really quite, um, quite good as a result of having that pressure from other people watching you. And tell us a little bit about maybe your, your course and your webinar that you have uh, frequently. Yep, so I hold webinars that are free to the public um, a couple times a week and I have those uh, split up into webinars for newer traders. So I sort of classify that as someone who's been trading for six months or less or not even trading yet. And I also have webinars that are designed for what I call frustrated traders, so people that have been trading six months or a couple of years or more who just can't make trading work for them. And so there's two different types of webinars and designed for either type of person, depending on where they are. And so they're held um, each week. The webinars don't change in content a great deal. So, I mean, really they're there for people to get an understanding of how I trade and what it is that I do and then make a decision if they if they like that, if they want to come on board or if they go, thanks for those tips and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not needing it, that's equally as fine. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's the free webinars that I hold for, for um, just the general public. Um, cool. For my own clients, I hold live trading room webinars every two weeks. Um, and that's when they watch me and, and listen to me trading on a live account. Okay. So on those, I'm actually trading uh, the generally um, the shorter time frame charts because they're live webinars. And so we're looking for new trade setups. Um, in between taking trades, I'm also uh, showing them trades that I've taken since the uh, previous webinar, so profitable trades, losing trades, clients uh, send in trades that they've taken. Um, we have question and answer sessions um, about you know, certain topics each time. But it's a really good way of trading because they can actually watch my charts, watch me moving around the screen and actually placing like actually placing the trades. It's not like I'm saying, oh, I'm taking a trade now. You actually see me placing the trade. You see the, the dollars and cents moving up and down, the position size. It's it's like sat watching me from my office. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. And those are good because they're live. You know, there's no hindsight. I'm not sort of just handpicking out the best trades and, yeah. and saying, oh, wasn't this good? Um, you know, the, the good trades and bad trades, everything goes in there. There's nothing hidden. Yeah, that's cool. And I was I, I was saying to you maybe uh, last time we spoke. I just wish I I, I, I just wish I had a, a course like that when I started trading. I think it would have been so much easier for uh, like the the whole time. So yeah, it, it is. And the clients, you know, I've got clients that have been on those uh, webinars for five or more years, and they still come onto them because they enjoy um, the interaction and they actually still thrive on on learning you know, and seeing someone else trade. Plus, I have a number of more experienced clients who are there um, scanning through charts on their own computer while the webinars uh, are in play and um, and just type through and say, hey, Andrew, looks like a, a really good setup on the um, British pound, US dollar 15-minute chart. So I see that 
on another screen, you know, people typing into me. So I can then just sort of stop what I'm doing and go and look at that chart and go, yep, thanks, um, you know, thanks, Bob, for sending that through. Yes, this looks a really good trade. Um, I'm liking the look of this. If the candle closes, you know, and it all looks good, yes, we'll take the trade. So it's quite nice to have a group of um, more experienced traders also scanning through their charts and, and just alerting me to what's showing as well. That's cool, really cool. So how can people uh, find you if they want to learn more about you? Um, so what the, probably the best thing is to do is to go to my website, which is theforextradingcoach.com, and have a look through there. Um, there's a huge amount of information on that site. Every week I post a, a trading video which they can see um, every day at, at around uh, 5.30 New York time, PM. Um, a basic version of what I post for my clients is put there. There's not specific trades, but it's just a basic version of strength and weaknesses that I post each day. Um, there's also a fantastic trading calculator, which would definitely help them in terms of yeah. understanding position size. Um, the ebook that you mentioned is there as well. So all that information is there free for people to have a look at. Uh, if they want to know a little bit more about in-depth about the actual the way that I teach and trade, then I'd suggest that they jump onto one of those two webinars that I mentioned. And, and, and then really, you know, it's up to the individual to decide, yes, this is something I'd like to pursue further or I'm happy with that information that you've already given me and, and continue what they're doing. That's cool, that's cool. And if you guys want to have all the information on that, that episode of the podcast, you can go to uh, ishardtotrade.com slash Andrew, and we'll have all the information and uh, all the, the links to, to your blog too. So people can, can reach you that way too. That's great. Thank you. Yeah, so I just want to ask you one last question before we, uh, we end that podcast. Absolutely. So if you, have, if you had to give uh, one sentence of, of advice to get good at sports trading, What would that single sentence be? One sentence of advice. Yeah. I would... Now, this sounds a little bit... Um, <laughs> I, I don't want this to come around, around, the wrong, around the wrong way, but if you start any type of new business or learning, to me, it's highly important that you get good education. And like I said, I'm not wanting this to sound like selling my own course because it's not. It's If you wanted to get into... Um, you know, learning how to do anything, you've probably got to get some good advice from someone who's doing that all the time. And I think that trading's no different. Sure, you can take the long route, which I did, and, you know, four years of going around in circles making nothing. Or you can say, well, I'm happy to invest a little bit into myself and my education and my knowledge and, and get the help of someone who's actually doing it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, you know, whether that was through me or someone else who you find, I, I think that's a um, really important thing for people to do because otherwise the likelihood is that either one, it's going to take you a long, long time to get anywhere or two, you're going to get so frustrated that you give up or lose money. And, you know, the statistics that you hear are 90%, 95%. You know, no one knows the real figure, but somewhere around there, I think, is probably fairly accurate of traders lose money. And there's a reason for that, you know, because I think a lot of people don't treat it as a business or they don't look at educating themselves. They, they treat it as a bit of a gamble or a bit of a game. And 
I think the problem is with that is that most people end up losing. So um, that's probably more than a sentence. That's yeah, a big paragraph. Sorry, that's a big sense. paragraph. But um, yeah, I think just get yourself. You know, if you're seriously wanting to do it, get yourself educated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's all through for sure. For sure. Yeah. All right. Thanks a lot, Andrew. So, uh, as I said, if you want to learn every information on that show, you can go to desiretrade.com forward slash Andrew, and you'll get all the information on that show. So, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Desire to Trade podcast. To get all the information on this show, free articles, and unique resources, make sure to check out www.desiretotrade.com and subscribe. Please leave us a review and let us know what you thought about the show. It's time to become the best trader you can be. See you next time.